0: welcome to NSTA The Bus Stop. This is the official podcast of the National School Transportation Association. I am Kurt Mackeson, Executive Director, and just want to remind folks that the upcoming NSTA annual meeting and convention will be held at the Pfister Hotel in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. The dates are July 25th through the 28th. Registration for the conference is available until July 8th, so if you haven't registered, please do so soon. If you have any questions about the NSTA annual meeting and convention, you can always contact us at info at yellowbuses.org. Now, today at NSTA The Bus Stop, we have Rud Lowry. He is Chief Marketing Officer for TransSubRO and a member of the NSTA Manufacturers, Suppliers, and Technology Committee. So, Rudd, welcome to NSTA The Bus Stop.
1: Hey, Kurt. Thanks so much. It's great to be here.
0: Hey, listen, Noah had your you know, father on previously, you know, to talk a little bit about Trans Subro. That was probably a while ago. So why don't you just talk about your background as well as what Trans Subro does to refresh the memories of our listeners?
1: Yeah, of course. And, uh, you know, I guess I'll start it from my beginnings with Trans Subro, which were at a dinner table with my father and my mother and my sister and as he's you know, having these ideas for a new company that he's going to start. And so from the beginning of Transubro's founding, I had my ear to the literal table as I was listening to my father come up with this, this new business idea to help school bus owners, taxi owners, uh, any vehicle owner in the country get compensated for their loss of use damage, damage damages after a non-preventable auto accident occurred. So through high school, I'm learning about what he's doing. I'm paying attention. And around the time of my senior year, I said to my dad, listen, I'm going to go to school locally. I'm going to stay home. And I want to go to school, get my finance degree there. And while I'm doing that, I want to work for Transseverell. I want to learn more about how you actually accomplish the loss of use damage collection for your clients. So he said, absolutely, you can do that. So I started to work for my dad in my, my senior year of high school, just to get my bearings about what the operation was about. And then by the time I was in my freshman year of college, I had been going to the office basically every single day, Monday through Friday after my classes or before my classes, depending on what my schedule was like uh, for the semester. And in the beginning, I was doing basic claims recovery work. I was reviewing police reports, reviewing damage appraisals, sending out demand letters to adverse insurance companies, basically saying that they owed our clients uh, X amount of dollars on loss of use damages or X amount of dollars on property damage. Now, after about a year of me doing that, uh, the general demand letter sending and dealing with uh, damage, dealing with insurance adjusters and explaining to them why they owe us the money for our clients, I realized that we weren't really getting too much new business. And the only avenue we were actually getting new business happened to be through an organization known as the NSDA, which is where I am today, uh, where we are today now. And the NSDA was actually very successful for the company, but that was our only path of getting a new business. Uh, it was a great path of getting new business and, and still to this day is an asset that we utilize. That's why we're still a part of the NSTA because it's been such a great, a great organization for yeah. Subro. But I decided to then take it a step further and start reaching out to, into, to companies that weren't involved in the NSTA uh, through cold calling. And I reached out to my dad. I said, hey, do you mind if I start calling up companies that aren't a part of these organizations and trying to get them to sign up for our services? And he kind of laughed. He said, yeah, you can do that, but you're not going to do it on my company time. Because he, <laughs> he wasn't really sure about it. You know, and I don't I don't blame right. him. So I said, okay, I, okay, I got it. So I would work, I would do my my claims work, I would clock out, and then I would pick up my phone and I would start calling school bus companies that I found on Google. I would just Google local school bus companies and I would call the ones with with decent sized fleets. And I would also call some coach bus companies. And after about two or three weeks of doing that, I wound up bringing in a school bus company in Brooklyn and a large coach bus company that operates on the East coast. And at that point, my dad said to me, he said, okay, I know I told you to do this on your own time, but now I don't want you doing anything else but this. So that became my sole focus in college. So while I was uh, pursuing my finance degree, I spent those four years building a sales process, bringing people onto the team and sort of perfecting a method of bringing our loss of use damage collection services to the companies that really needed it. And at the end of the day, the, the companies that need this service the most are the smaller companies that really pay uh, pay the price when they're involved in non-preventable auto accidents and they're not being able to get compensated for their true damages. So that was what I focused on through college was able to, you know, build a nice team by the time I graduated and had a, uh, a nice portfolio of about 30 clients that we had brought in collectively and f- through through direct sales efforts, created the business development department, created the marketing department. And since then it's been just a, a nice ride with my family, with the friends we've made along the way, and with the NSDA, especially, because this is NSDA has been one of the best organizations for the company since since inception. And we've just been enjoying helping companies in the industry get paid for what they're owed.
0: Yeah, that's,
1: that's
0: great. So, uh, yeah, and I mean, you know, you going through that just kind of outlines, at least for me, that you kind of learned the business from the ground up. You know, start starting there, and then kind of you, you know developing this whole process of you know business development. You know, on the chance subro end, and I'm sure that's been helpful for you. You know, as you evolved in the business.
1: Right. Oh, absolutely. And helpful was an understatement. I always said to my dad that I was learning more by working with him and, you know, trying things and failing at some things and succeeding at others than I was in college at a finance degree. And I, and I said to him, I'm learning more about marketing, more about sales, and more about business in general than I ever have or ever will in college. And that actually wound up to be true by the time I graduated. Um, so it was definitely a great learning experience. And I, I will say that I, while I was always present in the beginning, um, most of the beginnings like the first few years of building the business that was all Kevin that was all my dad i was just a fly on the wall observing so he did a substantial amount of work on his own to actually create the business and i won't i won't even try to take any credit for that because what he did was yeah, yeah. was a uh, was a phenomenal thing to witness yeah,
0: while i was uh, growing up and
1: kevin yeah,
0: and kevin was on the podcast and has a really interesting background and and probably have to have him on uh, again to you know talk about things so what what year did the business start so when was trans subro itself founded
1: so we started in 2009 2009 r- roughly was when basically the idea was formed and then around 2010 is when we started really getting into things i believe in uh in, in 2011 or 2012 is when trans subro actually moved into its first offices in uh, in Lakeview and then within a year, we had to move to a larger offices in, uh, in, in 2013 in Elmont because the business was just growing faster than, than my dad could, had, I had anticipated. And right. that initial growth was all from referrals and all the people who we had been servicing and, and you know, presenting with loss of use damage questions were like, Oh my gosh, this is amazing. How come we haven't been getting paid for these damages for right. however many years we've been in business? So they started telling their friends and their friends told their friends. And just based off of referrals alone, the business actually started growing into something that my dad quickly realized was going to be more than just a hobby to pass his time. Because like, I, yeah. as you know, he was also the police chief of Nassau County before he retired. Right. And when, when he retired, he was, he was actually only quote unquote retired for, I'd say, about seven months before Transfubro <laughs> was, was a new thing for him. So yeah, it was a very right. short retirement. On to,
0: yeah, on to the next challenge. Now I know, Rod, right, you you brushed upon it briefly, but why don't you just take a moment to, you know, for the for the people who aren't aware of what Transubro does, to take a minute to talk about, you know, the services that you offer.
1: Yeah, of course. So Transubro really focuses on the loss of use damage portion of a non-preventable auto accident claim. Now that's a lot of words, and what that basically means is we help companies that own fleets of vehicles get paid for the time that they can't use their vehicles after another party on the road caused damage to the vehicle. Uh, Now, we also assist our clients in collecting on the property damage portion of the claim, so the physical damages that were done to the vehicle. But the real bread and butter of the company is that extra service where we then go and we get them paid for the time they can't use that vehicle. That's something that a lot of people in the industry know about. They try to get, but uh, it's a very difficult and time-consuming Aspect of the property damage collection claim. The property damage claim would be the loss of use. So that's Mm -hmm. our main focus. We branch into other avenues of claim collection, such as diminished values. We do hacking fees. We collect on total losses. So there's several other avenues that we will help our clients to get made whole on a non preventable auto accident claim. But as I said, that loss of use damage portion of the claim is really where our clients get the true value out of it. Most clients. Well, I shouldn't say most. I'd say it's kind of split around 50-50, maybe 60-40. Some clients will have us do their property damages and their loss of, uses, loss of use damages, and some clients will just say, okay, we already have a system in place to handle the property damages. Let's just send the property damage claims when we're finished with them to TransSubRO to take it a step further and get paid uh, on the loss of use damage portion of the claim. And that's completely fine as well. Uh, at TransSubRO, we don't charge our clients anything upfront. So I always tell everybody in this industry that if you already have a property damage team in place to get paid for your property damage claims, then keep that team going because we work on contingency. We take a percentage of whatever we collect, and if we fail to collect, then there's no money owed to our company. So at the end of the day, our mission is to make our clients whole. We do make those clients whole that give us the property damage claim and the loss of use damage claim because at the end of the day, the loss of use damage claim. Even with our percentage taken and even with our percentage taken on the, the property damages, when we add those two numbers together, it's, uh, I believe it's something about 98% of the time. It's more than the initial property damage demand would have been alone. But I always say to my clients, you want to get your vehicle fixed before you then pr- pursue any non-monetary damages, such as the loss of use damage. So our clients will sometimes retain their own property damage claims, collections, teams in house, get their pro- property damage check in the mail and then send us a copy of it and say, hey, listen, we collected. Now I want we want you guys to get us some more money in the loss of use damage portion of that claim. And that's that's basically how we work with our clients to make them whole. Our services are very customizable to our client's needs. If, if a client basically wants to just use us as a safety net on claims where they can't collect loss of use damages on or claims that they can't collect property damages on for whatever reason, then we're absolutely more than willing to do that as well. You know, we have clients who just send us their hardest accidents because they don't know how to proceed with them when they receive a denial. And we have clients that send us everything because they don't even want to be bothered with it. And we love every client the same. So that's how we we work with our, with our uh, clients to make sure they're whole. Yeah.
0: And, and, uh, you know, the way my simple mind works is that, you know, during COVID-19, you know, when we're in the throes in the pandemic, you know, less traffic on the road, and now commuting to work, I see the uptick in, in traffic for sure. So with respect to that, with, with less vehicles on the road, did, did the pandemic impact what you all do?
1: Absolutely. And I mean, to say it, it didn't would would be a lie, but it didn't impact us as bad as I really thought it would. When COVID first hit for the mission of closing down schools and things like that, I, I got pretty worried. I said, OK, so the school buses aren't going to be moving. You know, people aren't going to be taking public transportation. People, cars aren't going to be on the road. I remember when COVID first hit, I went to go drive to my parents' house and I, I, the, the roads were empty. The highways were just completely right. barren. It looked like it looked like I was in a ghost town. Yep. However, uh, what wound up happening was we still had a, a large volume of claims coming in from our clients who said, okay, now is the time, we got to send all these auto accident files to Transubro that we maybe didn't have the time to send before. Or now we're just finding these documents as we're taking time to sort out our offices or whatever the case may be. So we had a small influx of claims in the beginning of COVID. And then what happened with the insurance companies where they were working overtime to just close out all pending demands that we had against them. So we wound up getting our clients paid at a much faster rate than we, than we would have, than we typically see just because these insurance adjusters were working from home. They were trying to clear their, their, their pallet of, uh, of responsibilities. And they right. were just paying demands without even really giving us any pushback, which was remarkable. It was something that we had never you know experienced before, and it wound up making our claims teams quite busy from home because they were getting <laughs> call backs like right away from the insurance adjusters, sure, whereas typically we have to call up maybe three four times a week just to get them to say, right. "Okay, I'll take a look at your demand." Um, so right. it was really good for business in some ways, bad for business in the ways that our clients were all hurting at. You know, we don't ever yeah. want to see that.
0: So, right for sure. Yeah, yeah, and it's great that the you know opportunity to get rid of the backlog. So, I, you know, I hadn't even thought of that, but that's a that's a really good point. It, you know, uh, I, I want to morph into to something as time is running short. You participate actively with the manufacturer, suppliers, and technology committee. Um, at the beginning of the podcast, I talked about the NSTA annual meeting and convention in Milwaukee. We have a different kind of twist that we put together through the committee in an effort to get contractors and our vendor partners together. Why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about that concept and and what they have to look forward to in Milwaukee?
1: Yeah, so absolutely. I won't get into any of the specifics of how exactly it's being set up, but I do know that we've been talking about for, for months now, actually, about setting up a vendor partner speed networking session where instead of the traditional... We walk around to booths and things like that, which uh, I believe we, we might still be doing as well. Uh, we're also going to add or or replace, I, I don't completely remember what the decision was on that, but we're going to add the speed networking session. And the speed networking session is, is going to be working kind of as, you know, make an appointment with the people you want to sit down with. And you get a, an allotted time slot to sit down with those individuals who are prospect clients for your company and you get to sit down with them and talk straight business. So it's, it's an opportunity where you can, because uh, a lot of times we, we, when you we go to the conferences, you're not really, some of the vendors aren't really sure where they can stop mingling and start business and where they should, where, where kind of the divide is and where the disconnect is. And some people feel a little bit uncomfortable bringing up their business in the middle of a cocktail hour because, you know, at the end of the day, they're not sure their prospect client is looking to, you know, have a good time at that moment or if they're looking to talk business <laughs> at that moment. Sure. So you never really know when the, when the opportune moment is unless you really, you know, focus and feel it out. So the speed networking session, it kind of bypasses the awkwardness of figuring out, oh, should I bring it up now? Should I, should I wait till we're in more of a formal setting? And it allows right. a platform where it says, here's where you talk about it. You know, this is where you talk straight business. You have an allotted time where you, you, know, you give your pitch, you, you gauge their interests, you, know, you give them the pamphlets and, the, uh, and any reading material that you want to give to the prospect client, and then you move on to the next prospect client. And it gives the contractors also an ability to sit down with people who they might not know and they might not have talked to otherwise, and that person might bring forth a, uh, a, a business product or a service that could really benefit the contractor. And, and, and these types of conversations might not happen organically. Uh, I've been to a couple of meetings where I've seen the speed networking program run and I've been very happy with the results of them. I find them very, very rewarding for both the vendors and the contractors who are involved with them because it, it actually just like takes away from the awkwardness. And then when you leave that speed networking session, you don't have to worry about going up to that person and trying to squeeze in a business talk. You can then mingle with that person and what I like to say, uh, increase their confidence in the person who's giving their product to them. And that at the end of the day, for a from a sales perspective, is huge because you want to make them confident in the person, you want to make them confident in the product or service, and you want to make them confident in the company that's delivering that product or service. And the only way to really do that is if you actually talk about what the business is doing, about what the service or product is, and then you build up a relationship with the individual who you're speaking to. Uh, on a personal level so they can actually trust you to deliver what you're saying that you will. So I think that this speed networking session kind of carves out a path that's directly related to those two aspects, the business and the product or service, and allows the other cocktail hours to be focused on primarily establishing personal relationships with the contractors and vendors that you're looking to speak with. So I'm very excited for, for Milwaukee for, uh, to see the NSDA's first speed networking session. And uh, I really, really am eager to see how it goes, and hopeful that people will be be pleased with the results and want to have a similar session occur again yeah, for sure now,
0: and just to answer your other question, yeah we're, we're kind of putting aside that that even though the NsDA conference is in quote unquote you know trade show, we did have what you would call tabletops for vendors, and you know attendees would walk around and, and to you say it, 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 to your point, you know the matching up of the vendor partner with the contractor gets rid of a lot of that awkwardness. And so we'll have an hour and a half of really kind of one on one engagement broken down into 15 minute segments. And it'll be real quality time that folks spend instead of, you know, as we know, as we all go to these trade shows, there's just so much downtime when folks are walking right. around and deciding whether they want to approach you or you want to approach them. So your point's well taken about getting rid of the awkwardness
1: yeah, you know, in Milwaukee. Perfect.
0: Yeah, yeah, and it's great um, for, uh, for
1: new vendors and things like that, too, who don't necessarily know the contractors yet or the new contractors who don't know vendors yet. So, so yeah, definitely yeah, a, a good uh, way for introductions.
0: And And I always think that the NSTA show itself is, you know, conducive to vendor partners creating a relationship with contractors because the you know we're like a boutique show rather than these massive trade shows with hundreds of booths where people just you know wandering by you, you know you you can always find somebody to one one to talk to but also i think we're able to give folks warm introductions in, in right. a non awkward you know manner cuz realistically i mean we move you know, nearly 26 million children per day across the United States. The industry does, <laughs> yeah.
1: you know, and mm-hmm. 4,
0: 480,000 buses, but it's really a small industry when you come down to it.
1: Oh, for sure. It's, it's very close knit, you know, so it, it, it's surprising. I mean, for me, at least when I first went to an SDA show, I was shocked to see how few faces run the many buses in the country. And it was actually quite exciting for me. It's like, wow, okay, so these are the guys and and women, because the men and women who run these companies, who are transporting all of the country's students to school. And I, I thought, I was like, heck, I, I was probably on a school bus every day going to high school and middle school that was owned by one of these people here in this room. So it was, it was definitely a, a very cool experience for the first times. And then every time I go, it's been a fun time, fun experience. Um, I've gotten to know many people at the organization like yourself, Kurt, and, and it's always a good time to, to just, you know, go there, do the business and then have fun with your clients. And even people who aren't your clients, your, your, your uh, your, your co vendors and service providers at the cocktail hours, the dinner receptions and whatever events we might be doing on every, any particular event, uh, any particular conference. So I, uh, yeah. I've always thought found the value in the NSDA from my first my first uh, event. That's great. That's great.
0: Time's running short, Rudd. We could talk about this you know, for, for a long time. But before we run, I just want to make sure that folks can get information on how to contact both you and find out more about the company. So why don't you tell them where they can go to find out more information about TransSubRO?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So for more information about TransSubRO, you can go onto the internet and type in www.transsubro.com, and that's spelled T is in Tom, R A N is in Nancy, S is in Sam, U B is in Boy, R O dot com. And uh, if you have any direct questions about how to get signed up with Transsubro and how to start working with us to get compensated for your loss of use damage claims, then you can reach out to me directly. My name is Rudd, R-U-D R U D is in David, D is in David, at transsubro.com. Same way spelled as it is in the website. So. You just feel free to reach out to me, or take a look at the website, call up the offices, and someone will be able to help you, or if not me myself. So um, that's how you get in touch with Transubro. Great, great. Once again, our
0: guest at NSTA, the bus stop, Rudd Lowry, Chief Marketing Officer for Transubro. Hey, Rudd. Looking forward to seeing you in Milwaukee, and thanks so much for taking a few minutes to join us at the bus
1: stop. No, thank you for having me, Kurt. And I'm looking forward to seeing you and everybody else here in Milwaukee too.